HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Today we will be discussing, for the first time, the Oxford Companion to Cheese, which I am guessing is the biggest cheese book ever published and is an amazing encyclopedia of cheese information. I have in studio one of the contributing authors, Elena Santigade. Welcome, Elena. Hi, Diane. Thanks. <laughs> this book is so big and so thorough, it may entail many shows, uh, at least one or two more, don't you think? Absolutely. So we're just, we're just touching the surface today. Just getting just under the rind, you could say. <laughs> right. She told me not to laugh. <laughs> if you're going to be telling me jokes, I might laugh. Anyway, for those listeners who have not yet seen the actual book, let me describe it. It's edited by Catherine Donnelly, well-known cheese expert and a professor of nutrition and food sciences at the University of Vermont and also the editor of Cheese and Microbes. The book weighs a couple pounds. How much would you like? Five? Is it more yeah, than I think, a... I think it's... Ten, maybe? No, it can't be ten. Oh, okay. Or else, if it's ten, I'm very strong. Okay, it's denser than a a wheel of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, paper weighs more than cheese, do you think? Depends on the cheese. Oh, okay, or depends on the paper. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, it's 850 pages, over 850 entries, and 325 authors from 35 countries. 
Elena, as contributor, how did you get involved? Um, that's a good question, and I think the answer, <laughs> it was actually a while ago, because, you know, these the process of putting something like this together is a long one. Yes. So um, it was a couple of years ago, I think 2015, when the editor at the Oxford, at Oxford, um, at Oxford University Press, sorry, uh, contacted me. And actually, it's funny because it wasn't through a cheese contact. It was through another editor friend mm-hmm. that we had in common mm-hmm. who knew that I worked in the cheese industry. And, um, you know, needless to say, they were really trying to find as many contributors as they possibly could for this book. Mm-hmm. And why did they want so many contributors? Do you know? Do you have a guess? I think the sheer volume of entries that needed to be written mm-hmm. required that mm-hmm. hundreds of people do you know, a many, handful, yeah, right? many different entrees each. Now, how were your topics decided? Was it were they requested? Did you volunteer? Did they ask you what you know? Well, that was a really fun part, actually. Uh, by the time I came on board, I think that it had been in the works for over a year already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they had done a lot. They had they had sort of taken care of many entries, but there was still a really large list of entries that they knew they wanted to include in the book but hadn't actually been written yet mm-hmm. or claimed. Right. So I just got to claim the ones I wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah. And why did you claim? You claimed some <laughs> unusual entries, I'd say. She did, I'm going to list them, Cheese Press, Loire Valley, Mozzarella, and needles. <laughs> so true. were you in a cheese-making capacity when they hit you up? Yes, I guess. I, I mean, I've sort of, you know, being around cheese all the time, it's you, you rotate through thinking about the technical aspects uh-huh. and the history and the geography mm-hmm. and the cultural mm-hmm. backgrounds and, and context of cheese. So I think I was just, that was all swirling around in my head. And when I looked at the list, I sort of wanted to choose <laughs> entries. Some different things. Yeah, from different realms of the cheese world. I thought that would be really fun. So mm-hmm. the Loire Valley was a fun one in terms of a historical reference sort of entry. Right. Um, and then for needles... <laughs> Needles is, you know, that's a funny one. In yeah, that sense. yeah, I would Actually, say. quite dry, that one. Um, quite scientific. Yeah, needles and cheese press were pretty technical, just very equipment-driven. Right. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, that feels good to write in an, ex, in an encyclopedic voice. Right. When you know what needles are used for in cheesemaking, it's nice to be able to just... Get that down on paper. And right. Just be brief and be... Those are shorter, I think, yeah, also. they are. Right, right. And mozzarella is just one of my favorite cheeses, so oh, okay. why not? And they had, I think, a couple of entries with mozzarella. Right, because I think there was a separate entry for mozzarella di bufala. Correct. And, and maybe mozzarella company. Like Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Texas yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, now, just showing briefly the depth of these uh, entries. Apparently, the Nazis destroyed water buffalo in Italy? That happened. <laughs> so One I, more thing we can blame right, right, on the Nazis. Right, right. I mean, just because there's been so much talk about uh, Nazis lately. There have been references in yes, the news these yeah, days. Yes, many discussions. So it was like, oh, no, another bad thing they did. You know, 
not high on the list of right. bad things. Pretty low on the did. list. But in the cheese world, right, significant impact. And so then how did they get the water buffalo back? I believe they came, they actually got the water buffalo back from India. Mm-hmm. And um, there are also water buffalo in India originally? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny because... I was on vacation in Costa Rica a few years ago, and I stumbled upon a water buffalo. <laughs> Just one? Just one. Uh-huh. In a little village being used sort of as an ox. Hmm. And I tried asking around if anyone was trying to milk it, but they weren't. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I mean, that just showed me the depth of, of the information that you could get in one little thing. Uh, in this in this amazing book, uh, now Loire Valley. Did you do separate researches on each of your topics? Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that was sort of the most fun part of it was pulling down all of my own cheese books from my own cheese library and my mm-hmm. own notes from you know working with cheese and studying cheese over the years and getting to dive back into all those texts. Mm-hmm. Um, so Loire Valley was really fun because, you know, th- with that one, I also got to pull out all my wine books and kind of get a geographical reference for both histories of cheesemaking and wine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. And um, just to let people know, when you read all these entries, they have a list uh, of their biogra- bibliography at the end of each entry. Right. Though I guess people usually put two or three. I mean, Yeah, it wasn't a huge... Right. You you know, and I I think that that's realistic. Right. You really only reference a few. And you might be referencing things you know, but you just want to make sure you have the facts right. Yeah. Good to review. Yes, yes. So then it can be used as like an endless resource if things that you're interested in, you then follow up. Totally. By it's the ultimate study guide of cheese. Yes, yes. Okay, so I want to tell the listeners more about the format. There are area editors. Um, and which area, do you know which area you were in? Or who was your editor? You know, there was a small group of editors who sort of mm-hmm. worked with the head area editors. So oh, uh, my, okay. my entries were scattered throughout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yours would be in different topics. Yeah. Right. Okay, so was was there a person between you and Catherine Donnelly that was in charge of you? Yeah. There, Who was it? Well, there was the overall project editor from at Oxford University Press. Okay. And, man, you know, the head wrangler. <laughs> the, the, what a project to, to see through, you know? Right, to be pestering yeah. uh, 350 people right. imagine, for their entries. Imagine that. But oh, it got gosh. done. The book is here, printed yeah. and complete. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was a small team of, you know, copy editors mm-hmm. who I think were working on the wording mm-hmm. and, and looking at the larger picture of... They wanted each entry to ha- to... You know, have its own voice in a sense, but this is an encyclopedic right. reference book, so right. everything kind of has to be in line. Right. And it's also in alphabetical order. It's not in subject order. Right. I mean, well, this, you know, so it's all mixed up. You can, right. you're reading about the Loire Valley, and then you're reading about Livereux, and then you're reading about something else. Totally. Um, the area editors were scientists, cheesemakers, anthropologists, retailers, educators, uh, I really couldn't tell which one went to which area. Um, And apparently, also in the book, it says there are 1,400 
named cheese varieties in the book. I believe it. And some, just looking through, I never heard of them. Yeah, there's one that's K-R-K. Uh, crack. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty bizarre. Um, okay, so did your selection have anything to do with the book you wrote? Ah, no. No. <laughs> Not none whatsoever. No, the, the... It was two different things. Two different things. Okay. Totally separate Do you want to say the name of the book you've written? Sure. Uh, I, I earlier... Well, at the end of 2016, I wrote... I finished up work on... Uh, the Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making, mm-hmm. which will be coming out on March t- March fourteenth. So you will be back in the studio with your book, and gladly, I can gladly read your whole book and ask you obsessive questions <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's coming in March. So you wrote the entries first. Yeah, and it was a good okay. warm up, um, in the sense of you know, sort of the fun of being part of a cheese cheese-focused book project, and also the exercise of writing a little more technically, mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't done too much of before this project. So mm-hmm. that sort of paved the way for my own cheese-making project. Okay. And had you written before in any of your jobs pre-cheese? Uh yeah, decent amount. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I was an English major in college. Oh, well, I, that was my next yeah. question. So that's another English another major. English major <laughs> to into the cheese world. Um, so I so you probably love uh, making up signs. I do love I do love that. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just feel like so much of what we do is communication. Even the art of writing a great email is a serious thing. And you could you could burn a bridge or build one, I think, mm-hmm. over a quick, mm-hmm. you know, off the shooting from the hip email. So, right. and do you tweet? I do not really tweet. I have a Twitter <laughs> account. Uh-huh. But I've been recently that I feel like very validated in thinking that Twitter was a little strange. <laughs> and now I feel like I, there's more people that agree with me than ever. Perhaps for stupid people. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we don't know. We don't know. Anyway, okay, so it's, it's time for our break. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And I'm with Elena Santigade in the studio, and we will be taking a short break. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long storied history. 
I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hi, Diane Stample back on Cutting the Curd with Elena Santigay discussing the Oxford Companion to Cheese. I was just thinking, we were just talking in, during the break about what the book could be used for. And uh, Elena, do you have an idea? Well, for those studying for the ACS uh, CCP exam, this is your study guide. <laughs> oh, gosh. If you learned... A third of what was in this book. Even a tenth of it. How many pounds do we think the book was? If you learned (laughs) half a pound of this book, it would be incredible. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You would definitely pass. And it's got so many different areas in which the test does, too. Let me tell uh, some of the areas. Let's see. This is the list of topics. Animal species, breeds, and husbandry. Biographies. Cheese families and classification, Uh, cheesemaking process and technique, cheeses, cheese shops, chemistry, cultural, uh, equipment and tools, health and safety, historical, microflora and cultures. Okay, what's that one? I don't know that one. Pairings and cuisine, producers, regions, regulations and designations, and sensory and... Something properties. Functional properties. Functional properties. (laughs) So they've got everything in here. And, you know, I've got to say, I think that there's not so much published text about some that that really documents some of these categories. I think you're right. And especially in one place. Or it's it you have to search in, you know, science, cheese science, which is too dry for some people to understand. Agreed. I think. So it's also a bit like the variety of seminars at ACS. It's true. You know, because there will be something on uh, sheep, goats, and cows, and uh, sensory awareness. and Yeah, this is an American Cheese Society conference in a book. <laughs> yes, yes. Without, well, without more, the characters, maybe. Well, Although without they the might characters and without the drinks. That's true. And no tasting. No you don't tasting, get to taste. True. There are photos, though. There are photos, but it's way more in-depth. Definitely. Way more in-depth. Though not as in-depth as one class might be. True. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so um, let's talk about some crazy and surprising entries in the book. Yes. <laughs> I found one. Okay. Elena, you go first. I'll go second. Okay. I'm going to say mine in the form of a question. Okay. Pineapple cheese. What is it, Diane? I saw that. Oh, you cheated. I, I told you to keep away from the peas. Oh, 
Well, I saw that pineapple re- cheese okay. is um, cheese that is made in a pineapple shape. <laughs> and well, there are many different ones uh-huh. so that each producer has a different shape. But where is it? Where is it from? I don't know. Where, well, I know where Look it's from. P, you've got the book. The pineapple cheese, yeah. cheese made in the shape of a pineapple, was a traditional symbol of hospitality in early America. Oh, it's I America. Do, it's America. Oh, okay. It's not Hawaii. It, I mean, it sounds it's not American. Hawaii. It sounds like an American thing to do. With <laughs> so, and there's a picture. Oh, there is? Yeah. See, that I didn't even I know. I think it's in the pineapple cheese. Right. I think it's right below. It's, oh, I see. It's a pretty picture. That's how I was able to remember that they're all different shapes. Amazing. Anyway, so now my, um, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What strange TV show did Matt Rubiner write about in the, uh, in the cheese book? Monty Python. (laughs) We're cheating. We're cheating. (laughs) I also cheated and I saw that and we talked about it before. Why so, would what what does the Monty Python show have to do with cheese, Diane? The cheese shop. It's a famous. Did you not know that? I did. Oh. I'm just asking for the show <laughs> for our listeners who might not know. It's a bit that is on the cheese shop, and I guess John Cleese comes in. I think the other guy is the owner and asks for like forty different cheeses, <laughs> and none of them are in stock. <laughs> And then finally, at the end, he goes off in a in a western wagon that I think is called Rogue. For some reason, it's true the predating Rogue Creamery. Yeah, the western movie that it's referencing is Rogue Cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's um, also there's another funny one that you will not guess. But wait, before you say this... Oh, okay. I just want to say, this is a really extraordinary kind of entry, the Monty Python entry, because I'm looking at it now in the book as Diane's talking about it, and it actually has a link to the YouTube (laughs) address where you can watch the show. Oh, that's great. That is great. Now, I feel like I've heard the show many times, but not seen it. Well... Here's the links right okay, here. We'll watch okay, it after okay, we're done. Okay, good. Now, another uh, somewhat strange entry, but was serious, was magical thinking. Interesting. And this was written by a woman who's been on my show with her book, uh, Heather Paxson, who's an anthropologist at Love uh, the MIT. Love the book. A wonderful book. And she says, among other things in the magical thinking entry... That it is the habit of cheesemakers to adopt metaphoric language and ritual behaviors <laughs> because you don't always know what makes your cheese wonderful in any particular day. Wow. So you might have some strange habits. Like a dance? A dance or a, who knows, fingers crossed. A mantra? A mantra, a, you know, talking to your sheep. Who knows? Sort of like the biodynamic winemaking where there, right, there right. is some uh, moon-based activity. Yes, because she says, you know, with 
everyone thinks the cheese is alive. So if it's alive, you have to pay attention yeah, to it. Yeah, it's receptive. Right, right. Wow. What a book. <laughs> so that, I did wonder when I stumbled across magical thinking, like, what does this have to do with, with cheese? cheese? Um, now you know. Yep, now I know. So I don't know if you have to study that for the CCP exam. Well, maybe if they add, like, a, a free-form essay section in years to come, <laughs> you could really get into that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, right. Okay, now, they also, I wonder how, you probably don't know the answer to this, how did they decide which stores get put in the Oxford Companion to Cheese? It's true, I don't know. I really don't know, and it's a, it's a curious question, uh, because it's certainly not every store. No, no. It um, when I counted, I didn't know where all of them were from, and I didn't have time to read all of them. There seemed to be um, the most in America and France. Yes, maybe America more than France because well, America is bigger, um, and it seemed like the usual suspects. You know, Murray's. Uh, De Bruno, mm-hmm. um, Fairfield. Uh, yeah, it's also this seems to be stores that have withstood the test of at least a decade or so of time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or maybe almost a decade of time. Right, right. Maybe more, but maybe yeah, some of them more, and some years. of them a little less. Actually, yeah, yeah. so I, that was well, a completely what? inaccurate statement. <laughs> well, look at the list. Find the list. Oh, it's in the back. It's in the okay. back. So anyway, so there were uh, two or three stores in Italy, a bunch in England. Um, I also notice as I'm looking for the list yeah. that there's a list of cheese museums. Oh, yes, cheese museums. All over the world. And we noted that one is in Cuba, New York. Yeah, I got pretty excited at first thinking it was in Cuba. <laughs> the Cuba. country. <laughs> but not to be, not yet. Right, and it's about uh, two hours from Buffalo, and it's got the history of cheesemaking. And it pretty much says that uh, that was the center of cheesemaking, which I think also Gordon Edgar's book talks about, Hmm. his cheddar book. Yes. How New York, uh, there was a lot of cheesemaking going on in New York early days. Um, Mostly cheddarish. Uh, and I think the museum is mostly cheddar. Anyway, so that's another thing. Now, also regions. They discuss regions in Europe and America. Now, what would your guess be, Elena, of the regions mentioned? No cheating. Don't look. What do you mean? What, what are some of the regions mentioned? What regions or? in America would make it into the book? Well, New England. They're states. Oh, states. States. Oh. Okay. Okay. So. Let's go. Okay. Vermont. Yes. Wisconsin. Yes. California. Yes. New York. Yes. And one more that you will not guess. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Texas. Illinois. What? Illinois. Illinois. I mean, there's a lot of cows. (laughs) Midwestern (laughs) Plains. But, you know, that's not what I would have guessed. You're right. No, no, no. Yeah. So I was 
I uh, listed those. Okay, now what else? What else can we say about this? Oh, there's a really gross picture <laughs> after page 436. It is uh, an ancient tech uh, tech thing of um, aging cheese in a cleaned and salted goat skin. No, keep looking. Oh, not keep that looking. Great. Yeah, I saw this picture. Yeah, it's totally gross. It is really gross. <laughs> it's large. At first, I, at first, I thought this was a photo of a man kissing the snout of a black pig. For our oh, listeners. Oh, oh, yes, because he has his what mouth. It, he has his mouth. He is sort of. Mouth to it. He is sort of like a balloon. He is yes. blowing up. He's blowing up the skin. The skin. Yeah. And it's dark in color and odd and looks like. The skin of a black pig, actually, <laughs> in my opinion. So, but it's actually picture that guys a dead goat. Yeah, it's a dead goat's skin. Skin. Yeah, and it reminded me of. Isn't there one of the myths of cheese being discovered? Is that somebody put milk in the fourth stomach? And it yeah, was small. And used it as a satchel, I believe. And, and then, then found cheese at the end of the day. Right. Now, now there's two... My take on this story is that mm -hmm. it must have been... Yeah, maybe the kid just left the satchel of milk on purpose. Some people say that in this myth they forgot about it. Oh, the kid... The goat kid? No, the person. Sorry. <laughs> I imagine it... I've always imagined it's, it was a kid that left this uh, milk oh, okay. in the cave. Okay. Because if you were a desperate early human, would you really leave your milk behind? <laughs> Well, maybe they weren't. The, oh, so it had to be a kid because he forgot yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Daydreaming okay. and such. <laughs> Not thinking about how he's going to possibly survive. But I thought, well, I don't know. Was this the 5th century? When did it happen? I it mean, wasn't like cave people. And I we don't need think. to remember that it is a myth. Right, it is a myth. So it, it happened when we want it to happen. Right. But aren't there <laughs> Italian cheeses in some kind of stomach that I think I used to sell at Artisanal, and they cost a lot and tasted terrible? Yes. <laughs> yes, she says. There are. No, this is a thing. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, a thing. Yeah. And here it is, documented with right, an amazing right. photo. <laughs> no, but that is grosser. That is grosser. Pretty gross. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. There's also Mongolian cheese. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I mean, sort of, I think that there's just got to be cheese everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's no salt, no rennet, and it's not aged. So it's yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that would. Well, I think it's a dairy product counted as cheese. Interesting. You know, we do yeah. yogurt at, yeah. at the American Cheese Society. Yogurt is cheese. Right. It's just we right. have another word for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. So, Elena, what have you found in the book that has surprised you today while you've been looking through it? Well, I was surprised when I paged through and saw there was an entry for children's literature, <laughs> which, similar to the magical thinking yes. response that you had, I thought... How on earth? Though there are key children's books, and the, Diane's raising her finger to speak. Okay, let's hear string, it. The string cheese incident. What's the, the name of it? The string cheese incident. This, there is, I don't really know that one. Oh. 
Well, there's, I might but be getting here, it wrong. Here, here are some of the books referenced in this entry, and, and this is very dear to my heart because I used to work in the children's in the children's book publishing industry. Okay. For a very brief time before I discovered my my True passion. passion. Yes. Um, but our our listeners might know the Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid tales. Definitely. Um, here's another one. Let's see. I am the cheese, which is I, actually a novel. Oh, I, I don't know that one. But it, the title itself is an allusion to the nursery song, "The Farmer in the Dell." Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. The cheese stands alone. Cheese stands alone. Oh, right. There's a bunch. I mean, this entry is over three column. No. Oh, it is five columns. Which is a pretty significant entry. Entry. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> um, who wrote it? Deirdre Baker. Don't know her. Deirdre, if you're listening. Thank you. Thank you for writing this entry. <laughs> Very fun. Okay. So, see, there's something for everyone Yeah, in I this thought this book. was great. And okay. for, for your friends who, you know, work in the cheese industry and might have some little ones running around, this could be an entry to consult. A little right. holiday gift. Right. Right. Okie dokie. So, it is time for us to say goodbye. No. <laughs> Just flew by. I know. We I, got through one one thousandth of the book. Oh, not even. Not even. Not even. We we just like blinked. Yep. We blinked. So anyway, so everyone should run out and buy the Oxford Companion to Cheese. I don't know how much it costs. Oh, it's expensive. Well, you might buy it for your store and use it as a reference in yes. your office, or buy it for your company and. And everyone can have a look at it. Or if you're studying for the CCP exam, you definitely need it. For a research book, it's not bad. Yeah, I would say this. If you're if you're interested in cheese and you're pursuing a career in cheese, definitely a worthwhile expense. Yes, yes. So anyway, so we thank Oxford Companion to Cheese. I hope to have uh, some other contributors or the editor on in the near future. And this is Diane Stemple and Elena Santigade. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Diane. Uh, saying goodbye for cutting the curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.